Adam did tell me about that. I just totally forgot. <laughs> so we have the, the privilege of some friends of ours that are here to minister. Uh, and, you know, interesting, we didn't know each other extremely well before this weekend, but uh, they're, they're part of the NCMI team, and they just connected and said, hey, we'd love to come down to get to know you. And it's just been a wonderful weekend of getting to know them, and we're going to be incredibly blessed by what they minister to us. So Dan and Kate, come on up. Dan and Kate. Dan and Kate lead Anchor City Church out in Halifax, Nova Scotia. So if you ever travel out to Halifax, then... Uh, that you can uh, go and visit them at their church. And they're actually in the moment, they're developing a little holiday project in Cape Breton. So if you decide you want to go to Cape Breton, they'll, you know, they'll have a good deal for you to be able to place to stay. So uh, went, went at, on the Cabot Trail, yeah. So, but this morning, they aren't here about that. They're here to really just with a wonderful message of uh, about the Holy Spirit, and they're just here to minister to us and impart to us. And so I just ask you to you know, extend your hands, more importantly, extend your hearts to them. Extend your hearts to them this morning, just to receive what it is that they have for us as a community. And Lord, we just thank you for these two. We thank you for their willingness to come and to minister to us, and just everything you've put on their hearts to pour into this community today. Amen. Amen. It's great to be here. Um, it's amazing, just presence of God here already, and just enjoying Him and soaking that up. And yeah, we James and Lee took us uh, to Kensington Market uh, yesterday. That was just uh, amazing. We decided to eat pie instead of lunch. That was a really, really good decision uh, on all all of our parts. Anyway, just uh, you you have an amazing city, and uh, it's just a delight to be here uh, with you. And um, thank you. So I just really had in my heart to talk about Acts uh, this morning. And starting in Acts 1, 1 to 5, kind of gives us a sense of why Acts was written. It just kind of helps us out. So I'm just going to read to you Acts 1, 1 to 5 to start out. It says, In the first book, uh, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so we've got this introduction to Acts. And uh, it's written by Luke, um, who wrote uh, the Gospel of Luke, so it's a two-part series. And so it, it opens up, it says, the first book was about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And um, so it just sets us out. And uh, that's written actually in the present infinitive in the Greek, to begin to do and to teach. So what it means is that what Jesus started to do uh, as his in his body while on earth, now he would expect us to do as his anointed body on earth. And so to say that all that Jesus began to do and teach is just that. So now Jesus is really passing the torch on to us to say, 
this is what I did on earth, and now this is what I want you to do on earth. And it's this, it's this never-ending action that's happening that we picked up, that, that Jesus started and began. But in order to do that, this is the important part. It's under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? And so really feeling God to, to just talk about uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit this morning. And that brings us right into Acts 2, 1 to 4. And I'll just start and I'll read that to you about the Holy Spirit coming down upon the 120 believers in Jerusalem. And it says in Acts 2, 1 to 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a roar as of a mighty wind borne violently. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And there appeared tongues as of fire, at first one and then divided into parts, and then rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so, honestly, what's been on my heart this morning is just in worship, I just felt the Lord say, just talk about who I am. Just talk about who I am. And so, as we look at the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 1 to 4, it just gives us a real sense of who God is. And so we can just really kind of zone in and say, Lord, who are you? And we understand when we talk about the Lord, we understand when we talk about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And so we just get this real sense of reality of who God is. And, and so a lot of this, I'm sure, is just going to be review for this morning, but it's just very simple reality of who is God? Who is God? And so it's interesting. We, we can sort of learn about who God is by this passage in looking at the manifestations of God in Acts 2, 1 to 4. There's three distinct manifestations that happen in this passage, and each manifestation of the Spirit helps us understand God more clearly. We read about the first manifestation in in verse 2. It says, And suddenly there came from heaven a roar as of a mighty wind borne violently, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And if you look at the Greek, um, usually the, the, that, that word roar is translated as sound. But it's more accurately roar. It's the same word um, that was used in Luke 21, 25, talking about the roaring seas that would happen when Jesus came back a second time. And so we, there's this massive picture in Luke 21 of Jesus coming back and the, there's massive things happening. They're talking about the roaring of the seas. It was this roaring that, that started to fill the house that the 120 disciples were in. It was not a gentle wind. It was a supernatural wind. It was a roaring wind. It's the kind of wind that you would have as, as a tornado coming at you. It would be the kind of wind that you would, you would, you would, you would hear and you would run, you would run for cover. And so just this sort of, this is, so just starting to get this picture of who is God and so God is one that when he comes and we show just a glimpse of his power, it's, it's, just, it's an overwhelming reality that is, is coming in our direction. And so we understand that God, he's, he's sensitive and he's tender and he's loving. He's all those things, but he's also a God who when he comes, he can come in a roar. And he can come in a way that we can just fall on our faces and just literally just hold on to the ground around us. We're, we are building... Um, some tiny houses in, in Cape Breton, the Cabot Trail, and they have these things called lace sweats. I got, I got two wind warnings this morning um, from, from the uh, weather network that there's lace sweats happening in Cape Breton this morning. And, 
And these winds are so strong, they're over 200 kilometers an hour, that they'll take 18-wheeler trucks that are driving and pick them up off the road. And so one of the biggest design issues we have is that we're building these tiny houses, but we have to make sure they don't blow into the ocean, especially with people in them. That would be unhelpful. But that wind is the kind of wind we're talking about. It's a, it's a roaring wind. And so I just, in my heart of hearts this morning, I'm just thinking, Lord, do I understand that to be you? Do I have a picture of you as not sort of a gentle, gentle wind, but as a God with a, a roaring wind, a God who brings a roar to our midst? And so this overwhelming reality. So that's the first manifestation that we hear of. It says in John 3, 8 of the wind of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, there's this interesting thing, the word for, it says that this roar, if you can imagine, it filled the house. There's 120 believers in the house. They're praying. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And it, this word filled, it's the same filling as as filling a bathtub. So it's like this roar came down and filled this house, these 120 disciples who said we were sitting, as if a bathtub is being filled up. And so it's just this, it's this overwhelming, drenching presence of God all around them. And they were in a house. And so I looked at the historical records in Jerusalem, and I think, it was, I think that church was called Life Host Church. Yeah? Yeah? It's all right. I'm not sure of the details on that. I wouldn't check that for yourself. All jokes aside, can I say that I felt, we felt deeply in our hearts that that was this house. That Life House Church is a place where there's an indwelling, infilling of the Holy Spirit. People can come to this place together and corporately receive that which was received on that day. The second manifestation of the Spirit says, And there appeared tongues as a fire that then divided into parts and then rested on each one of them. And so this is, the first one was audible, as a roar. This one is, is visual. They, they looked coming down upon them and they saw fire. Right? Like, I wonder if people, if they literally just yelled fire, like there's fire, the house is on fire. It was, a, it, was a, it was a visual expression of God coming into that house. And that it started as one, unity of the Spirit, and then it, it rested on all of the 120 who were in the room, and it, and, it, and it changed into tongues of fire that started as one and then divided into parts onto the 120 upon them. I mean, and so they're seeing this with their eyes. So the host that they're in, they're already roaring, and now there's fire. Fire like you see with your eyes, fire. Fire like the house is on fire. Fire that is falling upon you, as if fire like Moses saw with the burning bush, like the Israelites saw with the pillar of fire. Fire. Fire, like legitimate actual fire. 
We know that uh, Luke, Luke 3.16 talks about this day. It says, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It says in Hebrews 12.28.29, Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I just felt, I just honestly felt the Lord say that. As I've said, just tell them about me this morning. Tell them about me. And so what we know about God is that he's a consuming fire. He will consume what he wants to consume. He will establish what he wants to establish. He will tear down what he wants to tear down. He will build up what he wants to build up. Nothing can stand in his way. When his consuming fire comes, there's, he does, God, God is going to do what God's going to do. And there's nothing anyone or anybody can do to change that. And the third manifestation, verse 4, says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I mean, how beautiful is it that the fire became tongues of fire visually, and then they're speaking all of a sudden a language that they don't know except through divine revelation. And so another, we've got the roar and the fire, another audible gift, the speaking of a language that they had not known of a supernatural manifestation through their mouths that had, that had not happened before. We know further on that uh, they were declaring the, the mighty acts of God, the mighty works of the... They're just talking about God. God gave them a language that other people who spoke other languages could hear and understand, and they were declaring it in, their la- in, in these other languages that they did not know. Um, that's called xenolalia. It's a gift that God gives a supernatural language that another person can understand in that language. Um, throughout the rest of the New Testament, it's often the it's often glossolalia, which is just a, which is simply heavenly language that is given through and interpreted through the manifestation gift of interpretation. And so there's this, and we know that xenolalia happens still today, but there was this over. So you you can expect that as well. But in that moment, there was this overwhelming reality of just you can kind of just see there's something very um, significant about that impartation of the Spirit that just um, just showed that God is just doing something fresh and something new. And all of the nations are included in that. Isn't that beautiful? All of the nations. And so this beautiful revelation. And so, I mean, what do we do with these things? God's like, just, just talk about me this morning. It's the easiest thing in the world to do, really. What a delight. 
But what do you mean? This is our God. This is who he is. He doesn't change. He's never changed. He is who he is. He's the same God that his same Holy Spirit 2,000 years ago that fell in Jerusalem is the same Holy Spirit we have here this morning. He gives supernatural languages. He comes with fire that we can see with our eyes. He roars with a wind that's overwhelming. This is simply who he is. And then in the midst of that, um, things start to get a little intense in Jerusalem. And we read in Acts 2, 5, and 6, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speaking in his own language. And so, and then it just kind of starts to unravel, and people are starting to get a sense of what's happening. And then in the midst of it, Peter gets up and just simply points people to Jesus. It says in verses 14 and 15, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, because they were saying these people might be drunk. They were trying to understand what was going on. For these people who are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, which is 9 a.m. And so we've got this manifestation of God the Holy Spirit doing what he's doing, but then we've got God the Holy Spirit getting hold of Peter and using Peter to advance the kingdom of God right then and there. And see, that's the model of Acts. The model of Acts is to understand what happened to Peter is what, understand, what, what happens to you and I every day now. It means that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us and we do things in the Spirit that we couldn't have done other than by the Spirit. This wasn't the Peter that we knew in the Gospels. This is a, this is a new Peter. This is an anointed Peter that is now doing things that Peter didn't do in the same way. And so that's where you and I live today. We live and are called to things that we and ourselves cannot do, but anointed by the Holy Spirit can now do, yeah. right? Because God, the same, the same God who roars, the same God who sends fire, the same God who, does, who sends supernatural languages through our mouths is the same God who anoints us to do things that we couldn't do before because those things were not done before, but now they're done because of the Spirit. And now you and I can walk in those things because we have the Spirit. And so what, what can we not do that God calls us to do now that we have the Spirit? What list of things that we can come up with in this room that we can't do because we are now anointed by the Spirit of things that God calls us to do? There's nothing. I can't think of one thing that the Holy Spirit can't do right now through you and I in this place. 
It says, Peter lifted up his voice and declared to them. And that's a, that's a Greek sentence that literally means to lift yourself up to pursue and physically attack your enemy. That's what it means in the Greek. There is such an authority, there is such an anointing on Peter in that moment. It's the, they, needed to use this, they needed to use a military term to try to get into words what was happening through Peter in that moment. He came with such force, he came with such anointing, he came with such authority by the Spirit that it was if he was pursuing someone who was trying to take him out. And he stood in the middle of Jerusalem and preached. And under that anointing, 3,000 responded right there. And he ties it to the prophecy of Joel. Verses 16 and 18, and this prophecy of Joel was a, was a messianic prophecy of this is what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. This is what the Messiah is going to do, and this is what the Messiah did. The Messiah, Jesus, sent his spirit upon his people 10 days after he ascended to the throne. 10 days later, Jesus releases the spirit and births his church. And so it's it's the right prophecy. It's the right understanding of what's going on here. It says in verse 16 and following, it says, But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men, young, that, that word is, means prime of life, your young men shall see visions, and your old men, seniors, can also be translated, shall dream dreams. Even, even, and that comes with an exclamation mark, so I just, made that a little darker, even on my male and female slaves. In those days I'll pour my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay, so, we hear, the, the point of this text is that we have young people, prime of life. We have old people, seniors. We have sons, and we have daughters. And we even have slaves, which means every culture or every person within society is included in this. So that includes every one of you. Every one of you is either a son or a daughter. Every one of you is either young or old. That's the point. All. And so that is who the Holy Spirit has made himself available to. Everyone. No second sons, no second daughters. Not for the super spiritual, whatever that is. It's for you. That's who it's for. I don't know if you knew that. You probably did. But if you didn't, then it's right there. You can't get away from it. You can't not be one of those categories. And that's the point. So you're not too young, and you're not too old. And you're not too rich, and you're not too poor. You're not any, there's nothing, you can't escape.
And I think it just comes down to the reality of who is God. Who is God? Do you know this God like this? Do you know that he roars? Do you know that he sends fire from heaven and puts it on every single person? Do you know that he releases supernatural things of divine origin through you? All of you. Do you know that he brings so much anointing upon you that you can stand up in any situation, in any scenario that, that you face, and you can stand with a boldness as though you're physically attacking your enemy to tear them down, just by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that's who God is? I just have the sense, uh, can I bring, I'd like to invite my wife Kate and up just to, really close the message time, if that's okay. It says in Revelation 5, 5, Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And that's Jesus, right? It's speaking of the victory that has been accomplished. And I feel that there is a lion roaring over Toronto, over the GTA right now in this season. And I feel it is the same word for us as the body of Christ, that it's do not weep. Whatever situation we are in as the body first, do not weep. See, that word, see, perceive, and it's a a word of perception, not just in the physical, but in the spiritual. See the lion look to jesus he has triumphed he is victorious no matter what you're walking through look to him but then not just are we called to live in that but we're called to declare that and in the same way that that as Dan was speaking this morning, I felt there was a roar and there was the fire. Those were things that the Lord did. 
But then he moved through them, which came through their voice. And I feel like in the same way that Jesus has triumphed, he is victorious. Now we, the church, are the voice that declare that to a broken world. So around us where we see people struggling and broken, we are the ones that say, do not weep. See Jesus. Do not weep. Look to him. What was just shared, I just want to pause on for a second. You know, the words that we get spoken over this community over and over and over again, are, 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 they, they speak of the bigness of what God's called us as a people to do. Nothing we can do, we will able, be able to achieve unless our eyes are fixed on Jesus. The stuff he's calling us to requires the supernatural power of acts. It cannot be done in our own strength and our own ability. But this world, this city, the GTA, will be impacted and changed. The world will be impacted and changed by us if our eyes will be on him. He can do through you what you can't even imagine or dream of. Just pause on that truth for a minute so you do not forget it tomorrow. Because he's speaking that to every one of us in this room today. Saying, Jesus says, look to me. I'm roaring over this city. I want to use you. I want to use you. Will you say yes to him? Tomorrow, will you say yes to him? The next day, the next day, the next day. And if you're like, I don't know if I can say yes to him. The wonderful thing is, God, I need more grace. I need, I want to say yes to you. I don't, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. I need you. I'm going to ask you for everything that I need because whatever I'm lacking, you can provide me, as Dan shared this morning. Whatever you don't have, he has, and he's willing to give. He's a good father to accomplish his will through you. Not for you, not to exalt you, but to exalt him. We've got a wonderful ministry team here this morning. So if you need prayer for anything, please use them. We've got a feast laid out at the back for thank you for all that have brought food today. And, uh, you know, so we'll enjoy 
enjoy each other, enjoy food. Dan and Kate, thank you so much for just ministering to us this morning. So Lord, we just pray for this food, Lord. We thank you. You know how much is there. Multiply it so there's more than